What's up, coaches? Thank you for tuning in to Keep Your Pads Down. Well, we are all about the defensive line, and this is episode number 82. And we have another outstanding episode lined up for you today where we head to the great state of Louisiana to talk to our first high school coach from the Bayou State and Wachita High School head coach Jeff Fitzgerald. Now, before we get to our conversation with Coach Fitzgerald today, a quick program note for those of you who tune in each week. If you do, you've heard me sort of tease out a series of episodes that we're going to be doing involving coaches uh, telling their stories about struggles they've overcome and how that adversity affected them, uh, made them better men and coaches. And I'm really excited about those episodes. However, I think that's something that we are going to push back to uh, early 2021 once the season wraps up, we kick off the offseason because that's going to be a bit of an undertaking to get together and not even so much on my part, uh, but on the end of coaches coming on. And, and, you know, obviously this is a tough time of year for us and, and time is at a premium. So we're going to be doing those episodes, but we're going to be pushing them back to early next year. But if you are a coach listening to this and you have a story of overcoming adversity, whether it be directly related to your job as a football coach or something from your personal life that you feel comfortable sharing, then hit us up on Twitter at KYPD Podcast or send us an email to kypdpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a coach in mind that you think we should talk to for those series of episodes, or just to bring on a talk some ball, then again, contact us on Twitter or send us an email. That's my favorite way to find guests, by the way, is, is by referral from you guys. So, which brings us back to today's guest, my brother Grant, uh, who's been on the podcast before. Uh, he did okay. Um, he, he put me in touch with Coach Fitzgerald, who is a friend of his, and and, and, and my brother highly recommended him. And I got to say, as much as it pains me to do so, Grant sent me a live one in Coach Fitzgerald, who was outstanding uh, in his interview. And I'm so glad that we got to talk. Uh, Coach Fitzgerald is originally from Louisiana. He played linebacker at Louisiana Monroe, then volunteered in GA, coached at uh, Division II Southwest Baptist for a little while there in Bolivar, Missouri, uh, before jumping into high school football. And he is currently the head football coach at Wachita High School there in Monroe, Louisiana, where the Lions are hot off a big win over Bastrop and looking forward to having a great season under Coach Fitzgerald this year. Anyway, uh, today Coach and I talk a lot about his faith and how his faith dictates how he runs his program and, frankly, his entire life. Plus, you know, we talk about things like hiring the right assistant coaches, building a healthy culture within your program, and then we finish up with giving Coach a chance to shed his head coach hat and get down and dirty and coach some D-line play. So a ton of great stuff in this episode for you today. You will definitely walk away from this episode better than you were when you started. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Here's Coach Jeff Fitzgerald on episode number 82 of Keep Your Pads Down. Very glad to be joined by Wachita High School head coach Jeff Fitzgerald. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Man, thank you so much, Kyle, for having me. It, uh, it's definitely a pleasure being here. Absolutely. Well, Coach, uh, start off by telling us a little bit just about your background, you know, where you grew up and, and how you got into coaching and uh, you know, just people who have influenced you and just really your journey through the game of football up to this point. I grew up in central Louisiana. and. Uh, my dad was a football coach, and then so just being around a field house, 
basically my entire life or in a gym. He also cooks basketball and, um, you know, it was, I guess it's, it's a way of life, as you could say. I, I was thinking, um, you know, during this whole pandemic, I was quarantined and I was talking to a buddy of mine and I was telling him, man, this is the first, and it was a, we were coming up on a Friday night game and the game actually got canceled, but it would have been the first game I believe in my entire life that I would have missed. And so from uh, birth until now, 43 years old and, Man, I've never missed a football game. I've never, never missed a game. And so it's been a way of life, you know, and growing up in central Louisiana um, in a small town, uh, it's what you do. You know, you play, you play, you play sports, you play athletics and uh, football being the, the primary one that everybody wants to play. And so, you know, it is a, it is a sport that's king around the country and uh, but growing up there in a, in a small town and then my dad became a principal once I got to high school and, um, little town called Gina, uh, Louisiana, and I played there at Gina High School and left there and went to uh, ULM, which was uh, University of Louisiana Monroe, which was Northeast Louisiana University at the time, and played some college ball. And, and at that point in time is when I realized, man, I, I need to be. A, I started out as an accounting major, which is crazy. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a behind the desk kind of guy at all. Um, I think if something ever happened with coaching, I'd, I'd go into maybe lawn care or, or digging ditches somewhere or something, some type of physical labor. But um, I realized, man, I, I felt that tugging from the Holy Spirit going, man, you were doing the wrong thing. And uh, my grades were terrible. I was an excellent student in high school. And then my grades in college are terrible. And all of a sudden, I changed majors to education. And it was it was just a piece that came over me. It's like, man, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so um, from growing up with my dad coaching to me playing to now coaching, um, this has just been a way of life. And uh, it's all that my it's all that my kids know, and it's all that my wife has known. We we dated in high school and then through college and ended up getting married and. Um, and so football has, has been an avenue uh, for me to, to try to help young men the same way that my coaches helped me. And uh, to be able to have an impact on their character, to be able to have a, an impact on teaching them what it means to really be a man and a contributor to society, a husband, a father, those things um, is what being around the game of football and being around those coaches has done for me. And then I'm I'm just, Man, I'm trying to carry that torch on and instill those same things in the young men that I have in fact today. Uh, God has left, led me around the country. I uh, started out in uh, Division II college football. I coached up at Southwest Baptist University in Missouri for several years. Then I, I coached at Southeastern Oklahoma State University for several years. And then um, at that point, God had another plan for me and said, look, I'm going to send you uh, to high school football. And um, it's been a it's been an awesome transition, and so I'm in my uh, ninth season as a, a high school head football coach, and and it's been awesome. Looking back on your coaching career up to this point, what are some highlights of your career? You know, there's been some. It's like a roller coaster ride, as as all coaches know. Um, there's highs and lows, and but probably uh, one of the the highlights of my career is. 
And this is going to sound crazy to a lot of people, but this this is a highlight. This is what I stand for. Um, obviously, we all love winning. Man, I hate losing. I, you know, and and we love kids. And but the highlight was my first year as a head coach at Washtenaw High School. It's a highlight. It's a low light, but in eternal perspective, it is only thing that matters. And so uh, we had a young man that that died in a car crash in week 10. Um, actually, my daughter, my second daughter was born on a Wednesday. This young man dies on a, um, it was actually week nine, I'm sorry, dies on a Saturday. Well, throughout the course of that week, going into week 10 for us was, was very, very tough. High character young man um, that God called him home early. And, you know, and it's like, how do you lead a team that you really just barely know? Because I'd only been here a few months as the head coach. And what do you say to these guys? How do you give them hope? How do you reassure them that um, that things are okay? And um, and through the course of a week, through, through the help of our um, local FCA representative, through the help of um, – Guys in the in the local churches, uh, just loving on these young men. Man, the highlight was of my of my career was one man's death brought seven men to Christ, and we were able to baptize those seven dudes on the football field before the game that Friday night. Wow! And then, um. And then we played that whole game with 10 guys and uh, shut the other team out and played with 10 guys defensively. He was a defensive starter. And that was probably, um, golly, one of the most difficult times I've ever been through as a coach. But at the same time, looking back, wow, what a moment that God can take anything. Like Romans 8, 28. Says he works out all things for the good that are loved uh, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Man, he never wastes a hurt, and so he allowed us to to be able to use the, that moment of hurt and highlight him, which in return brought seven dudes into the kingdom uh, for eternity. And so I'd say, man, as a coach, that was a highlight. Uh, I've been a part of conference championships. I've been a part of district championships, um, and so that moment topped all of those. Well, Coach, clearly your faith is is something that's extremely important to you and just permeates uh, through everything that you do, including your football program. Who do you credit with helping mold your faith as a young person? My mom drug us to church constantly, and my bro- it was my brother and I, and uh, didn't grow up going to church with my dad. He didn't really want anything to do with it. He loved to hunt and fish and then and coach football. And so um, my mom drove us to church every chance she got. And there were men in the church that uh, showed me the love of Christ and who were friends with my dad and ended up, you know, fulfilling that role of making a disciple out of me. And uh, I can go back and look and say, man, it was a guy named Bill Robertson who was the pastor of the church. It was a guy named Jack Ziegler 
who was uh, to this day, from the time that I was 15 years old until even today, man, I got a text from him this morning. I love you here. You know, read this scripture. He just continued pours into me. And then um, my head coach, June Fowler, to um, a guy that uh, was an assistant coach who I ended up working for for uh, nine years, a guy named Ray Richards, who taught me how to be a Christian coach. And I've had a lot of failures along the way of, of battling that battle between the world. You know, do I coach like this in the world? because I have a filthy tongue and, um, or do I, you know, how do I balance this Christianity, this coaching, because man, we're just foreigners in this world. And, um, Ray Richards taught me that balance. He taught me how to be a Christian coach in a world ruled by the devil. And so, um, man, I would have to say that those guys definitely had, those men had a tremendous impact on the way that I coach today, for sure. Talk about what it looks like on a day-to-day basis to be a quote-unquote Christian coach, because I think sometimes that can be misconstrued and, and, and think that, you know, you have to be uh, meek and and just sort of very, almost like a, a, a librarian coach out there, you know, and, and you don't raise your voice and you're not tough on your kids, and, and I think that can sort of be the misconception. And and so maybe sometimes it kind of, I don't want to say turns coaches off, but it's it, it could be discouraging when it's like, man, how do I get these guys going, and how do I you know get these kids to play hard and, and get everything out of them, but also uh, do that in such a way that glorifies God and not destroys my witness. So what does that look like to you, just being a, a quote-unquote Christian coach on a day-to-day basis? That that has been what you talk about. That meek, we we think of things in the way we understand them, right? And so, Christians a lot of times are viewed as soft because they may hold their tongue or because they may not be cussing or carrying on. And, and man, make no bones about it. I'm a sinner saved by the blood of Jesus. And I, if I was not a failure, there was no reason for Him to die on the cross. And I want to go ahead and set the record straight that I am an absolute failure. Um, I coach extremely hard. I'm extremely passionate. Um, And I do slip up, man. I do get angry. And I have slipped up and let words fly that I go, man, oh, man, oh, man, what am I doing? Why did I say that? Or why did I do that? Or, man, so I make mistakes every day. But definitely being a Christian is the absolute hardest thing there is. It's easy to go with the flow of the world. Man, it's easy to sling profanity out there. It's easy to have a bad attitude. It's hard and to have a great attitude in the face of adversity. It's hard to control your tongue. It's hard to um, continue to press on when you don't feel like you can. And that's the thing that, that – I believe that people don't understand about our God is that he is a mighty warrior and Yahweh is his name. And that same spirit that is him, man lives in us and that we are warriors because he's a warrior. And so when I coach this game, I coach that with a warrior mentality because that's who I am in Christ. And I challenge anybody to step to step into a coach's role 
take the criticism and don't say anything back, to take the verbal abuse and don't say anything back, I challenge them because it is extremely difficult. <laughs> it's extremely difficult, and it is not for the faint of heart. And so um, when I talk to our guys about about Christ, is that's the first thing that I talk about with them is, man, understand this. That dude was a warrior. He is a warrior. And that and and that's where people I believe miss the boat is they think it is some circle sitting kumbaya singing bunch of people and it's not. Yeah. Christians are warriors. And so um that that that's definitely a very fine line and, and I am a failure constantly, but I'm saved by the grace. And it's through his spirit that allows me to continue to press on. And I think those are really important points to to make about, you know, when when th- that we don't have to be perfect, right? Like there's that the, we, we understand we're going to screw up. And I think the difference is, is that, you know, when we do screw up, you know, there is that or when we kind of do get out of our lane a little bit, we know that, that we're not right and we can kind of pull ourselves back in and we have people around us who can kind of help us pull us back in and correct us. But I think that sometimes guys can get a little discouraged because they feel like they have to be perfect. But when we understand that we're not going to be, then that is freeing and that is, uh, you know, invigorating that, that we can go out there and, and coach hard and understand that we will make mistakes. But that, you know, thankfully, uh, God's grace covers those mistakes. And, you know, our kids are going to be quick to forgive us. And, you know, our, our wives are going to be quick to forgive us. And those people around us, as long as we are you know, displaying that humility. That's right. You know, and it's just. Man, it is hard, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, is, it, is so it is. It is. It uh, is. You know, just because uh, we are imperfect, and and uh, again, and, and because I I know you're this way, and I'm this way. You know, we 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 do tend to run a little hot, especially when things get you know the 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 adrenaline gets rushing, and it's it's uh, you know a big time spot in a, in a, in, a, in a game, or maybe it's a, a critical moment in a practice, and a kid's not getting it. But um, I, I think too, and one thing that I've learned is is being quick to apologize to kids and, and, and pull them in saying, hey, you know, I know I said this and, and, and you guys know that, that my faith is important to me and, and you're probably wondering how does that work? You know, how, how, how can I say stuff that I say sometimes? And then and I, I just want to let you know, you guys want to let you guys know that I know that that's wrong and I'm apologizing to you and I'm going to get it fixed. And, and I think you demonstrate that, that humility and, and to, to them and then, then that's ultimately what you want to see from them when they screw up. Absolutely, and that's a great point of, man, swallowing that pride and apologizing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so, I mean, I'm 43, I'm coaching 16-year-olds, and I've got to apologize to them. Yeah. And, and that's tough to do sometimes, especially when you don't want to do it. Yeah. But, uh, but you've got to do it. And, you know, but it, it has, that probably has the biggest impact is going back and saying, man, Guys, I'm sorry. I completely, I was completely out of line and handled that the wrong way. Yeah. And here's how I should have handled that. And man, what teaching lesson? You know, there, there's no greater teaching lesson than that right there. Right. You know, I can I can tell them all day, but to actually all of a sudden mess up and then follow through with what I'm asking them to do um, has a tremendous impact on them. 
Yeah, I've, I've talked about this a lot with other coaches on this podcast that I think we're way beyond the, I would still say that I'm a young coach. And you know, even when I was growing up, I remember running into my defensive coordinator at the store one time and, and was shocked to see him there. Like, I didn't know that he ever left the field house. I just assumed that he lived there, you know, and to see him out buying groceries, you know, was kind of a, a little bit of a shock to my system. Like, he's not just a, a guy that, that, you know, watches film all the time and, and never leaves the field house. And I think that in our day and age, that it's really important for our players to see us as human men, as as husbands, as fathers, as as screw ups, and and to, to to you know to understand that we're not perfect, and that we're in the boat with them, and we're fighting the same fight that they're fighting. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I think about that. You know, that Rocky Four episode. Whenever Rocky finally cuts the Russian, and he's like, "See, he's human. He's a man. Yeah. He's human." Yeah. You know. Yeah. I've had. Uh, I've had our guys be like, "Hey, coach, you really are human." And I'm like, "Oh man, yeah, you know." But uh, it, it <laughs> I laugh whenever you say that because I've had those same thoughts. Like, "Dang, I saw coach at Walmart." Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think again, like I like I already said, it, it's just uh, it's it's good for them to be able to see that that we do screw up and 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 to see us. You know, in different roles, I think it's why why it's important where you know to, to you know, have your kids up at the field house and see them around your wife and you know, see see you out at different social events where it's other you know ball games, you know basketball games, baseball games. See you out at church, see you at community events, just to to see you out in a, in a different light, in a different context, because uh, that helps those guys. First of all, you're modeling what it is to be a father, what it is to be a husband, but also just helps them see that that you are a human and, and a person, not just you know, a grouchy old football coach that sits there and, and, and watches film all day. Let's talk about this. So I, I want to know, as, as you're coming up through the ranks coaching, you know, what were some things that you were doing to kind of prepare, prepare yourself for that head coaching job? To, to, so when, when you finally, when that opportunity did arise, you were ready. You know, I, I really was, I was really, was very, very nearsighted. I really didn't look very far down the road as a young coach. And um, I started out just basically as a volunteer and then a graduate assistant and then um, moving, just kind of moving up the ranks from there. And, you know, there's always that thought in my back of my mind, you know, I'd like to be a, a head coach someday. Uh, just don't know when that someday is, but starting out, I was more along the lines of, well, I'd like to be a coordinator. And so uh, the thing I tried to do was just surround myself with what I considered great football coaches that would allow me to sit in and visit with them and allow me to sit in and talk with them. And um, as a young coach, sometimes that's difficult to, to do, difficult to find because uh, just the intimidation factor of, man, that dude doesn't want me hanging around or, you know, and uh, then at the same time of humbling myself enough to, like, all right, he gave me an opportunity. Keep your mouth shut and just learn as much as you can. Um, but And so, thankfully, through, you know, clinics and uh, conventions and things like that, you make a lot of connections. And then uh, my head coach was – he. he He's awesome, and so him being a Christian, and he would hang around Christian coaches, so therefore I would hang around Christian coaches, and 
and uh, and just making those connections and man, trying to learn as much as I could constantly and was I, I was really just very very nearsighted. I didn't have uh, I wasn't farsighted enough. I didn't set goals enough as a young coach. I was almost kind of in the here and now. I want to be a coordinator, and I'm just going to learn as much as I can, and it's way more than that. Well, but I think that there is something to be said about, you know, you talked about keeping your mouth shut and just sort of being a a fly on the wall or a sponge or whatever and and just learning as much as you can and surrounding yourself with those guys. You know, I think those are some uh, critical steps that, that younger coaches have to take because, you know, you see guys who get burned out kind of early on in coaching, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with the guys that they surround themselves with or the staffs that they're on. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, by chance, you know, they wind up on a staff that's maybe not, uh, you know, not uh, the, the best situation. But then a lot of times, especially with, with, with social media being the way that it is, it's much easier to reach out and connect with coaches than it was, you know, even, even a decade ago. And so I think that that's that's a, a a definite step that younger coaches have to take is you know get out there and start building their network and learning as much as they can from those guys and, and just picking th- things up uh, from them along the way. Absolutely, and finding like-minded people. You know there are um, there's so many different personalities and uh, groups of guys out there that. It's it's amazing to see the different personalities, and all these personalities are great football coaches. And so you can you can be around guys that you just don't fit in with that are that are just different. You know, think different, coach different, but are extremely successful. Um, I believe it's important to not you know to surround yourself with like minded people, but to also go and look and say, man, I don't. Me and this guy, we just are, are don't G haul at all. <laughs> but there's something I can learn from him, you know, and and just and being in those situations. But definitely, when you're looking at a staff, man, it's extremely important that you're with like-minded people on that staff because the day in and day out grind of working and being in that field house a lot um, and being around those guys. I mean, you're going to be around them more than you're going to be around your families a lot of times. And so it's extremely important to be around like-minded people, I believe. Absolutely. When taking over a program as a head coach, what are some of the first things that a head coach should do, in your opinion? Oh, you know, I saw that question on there, and I was really kind of hoping you wasn't going to ask it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, um, man, there's so many things. There's just so many moving parts of being a head football coach. Had I known all the moving parts to be a head football coach, I probably would have hung on to a coordinator position <laughs> a little bit longer. Um, but, man, to pin down one thing, I can't really pin down one thing other than um, having a great relationship with your assistants and realizing that you're in this, you're in this thing together. Um, and it just makes for better for better relationships uh, within your staff, better camaraderie within your staff than than if you just roll in with an iron fist and being a dictator. Yeah. And so you know, obviously as a head coach, there's a there's a fine line there, and 
there are things that's got to be done. It can't, you know, your inmates can't run the asylum, as they say. Right. But man, having a great relationship with your assistants is is huge because I've taken over uh, two programs. One, I did not know anyone. I did not know anybody, and I did not have a very good relationship with the previous staff. It was a situation where uh, I did have the freedom to make some changes, and some changes were made, but it was strictly off of ability to have a relationship with those guys. And when I talk about that, just a respect factor, a are they willing to work with you? Are you willing to work with them? You know, what are we willing to do? Because they were good for they were good football coaches. And I took over a program that had had some success. And then um, I'm in almost the exact same scenario, except I know some of the coaches on staff, and we had a great relationship uh, when I took over at Washita, and it was you take and look at still successful, uh, but I had a relationship with some of those coaches, and we were like-minded, and it just kept running itself, basically, where before it was like, man, beating my head against the wall at yeah. the other program until I did have guys that I, that I was able to build a relationship with in place, some that I brought in, some that were already there, but the relationship with coaches as a head coach is huge, man. It is huge. And so, and then I guess it all boils down to relationships at the end of the day, relationship with coaches, relationship with administration, relationship with uh, players. And um, I guess the, the number one thing, though, is to man, surround yourself with people better than you. No, and that's what I've tried to do. As guys have moved on, is I try to find somebody better than me because they're the ones doing the work. And you said earlier, you know, in in the podcast that a lot of times there's you know administrative things you have to do as a head coach, and you may not always be in that position where you're actually coaching the kids. So, um, man, having guys that you can trust and guys that you know are are going to do the right thing and or shoot, I got a staff full of coaches way better than me. I can tell you. With, with with that in mind, what are some qualities that you look for when you're looking to hire an assistant coach? I don't want to. I don't want to have this sound the wrong way. Um, the number one thing I look for is character. What are what are his previous guys that he's worked with going to say? What are the the previous employer going to say? You know, what are these other coaches going to say about him? Are they going to talk about his character? Because, man, we as coaches, obviously we show that we can learn just by going to school and obtaining a degree, obtaining a, certifica- a certification. You know, but I, I, I am seeking out men of high character. And I know that a high character man is going to be willing to learn the system that we're doing. They're going to be willing to wash laundry because we have to do that, you know, or they're going to be willing to mow the grass because we still got to do that too. And so they're going to be willing to to do things that they may not necessarily want to do. Um, so a guy that it, that is high character and loyal or, or who I'm looking for. So then when you do get those guys on your staff, uh, let's go back to kind of like what you were talking about when you first arrive at a program, you take one over. How do you then create that buy-in within your staff and also your players? 
obviously success breeds a lot of buy-in. Um, but I also believe that not only that success, but being genuine. And you've got to believe what you're selling. You know, you've got to believe what you're telling them. You've got to believe and, and walk it out daily um, for, for other people to buy into it. And that takes time. And, hey, some guys buy into it and some guys don't. And that's just part of it. I, you know, and, but I try to surround myself. I believe that those high character guys are going to buy into that. And we've got a, you know, a saying here at, at Washita that what happens here stays here, done here, stays here. And we carry that over into our meetings and in our staff meetings, we can talk like men and we can have tough conversations with one another. But when we walk out of that door, we're all under the understanding that we are one team, we're one family. And having that unity, when we walk out that door, I believe Nick Saban calls it one voice. That man, that that reflects in our team, and our team starts behaving that way. And so the character is everything. Well, so then when you inevitably, coach, have you know breakdowns, you know, in the culture of your program, or you have just issues arise, how, how do you handle those? Man, for me, I go back and look at the foundation of my beliefs, my core belief system. And know that, you know, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be issues. You're going to have um, disgruntled employees. You're going to have disgruntled players. You're going to have situations arise where not everyone agrees upon everything that, that happens. Um, and so I, I just, man, I, I revert back to my, my core beliefs, what I believe in. And um, and I talk about, I learned this actually from um from Ray Richards, who got it from a guy named Keith Baxter at Southeastern Oklahoma State. He's the athletic director there now, was the head football coach. And uh, Drew Beard was the um, quarterback at the time. And they were trying to come up with something to hang their hat on. You know, what can we hang our hat on? And it was 2 Timothy 4 7. I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I've kept the faith. And so I talked to our guys, I talked to our coaches about it all the time. I talked to our players about it all the time that. You know, what does 2 Timothy 4-7 mean to you? What does it mean to fight the good fight? What does it mean to finish the race? What does it mean to keep the faith? And there's so many facets of that that you look at it and go, man, all right, I fought the good fight. Well, what fight am I fighting? And, and I must believe in the fight that I'm fighting. And so when I look at the way we handle discipline, when I look at the way we handle success, when I look at the way we handle failure, um, when I look at everything that we, the way we handle disagreements, do I believe in it? And then um, I got to finish the race. And so every day, and it's just, you know, God says, it, it, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own. And boy, he is exactly right. And so when I look at it, okay, I'm going to continue to fight these battles all day long with this system, this core beliefs, and um, and it boils down to this: can I can I lay my head down at night, knowing that I did everything that I could to do the right thing, to show the love of Christ, to stand firm in the faith? Did I do those things? And um, when it comes to decisions within a staff and coaches. Um, if you've got that disgruntled coach that you constantly have problems with, do you sit down with him and talk to him about, man, here's the way I, I here's the way I see things. 
how do you see them? You know, maybe it's just a, a fine line of miscommunication. And it may be a deal where you just don't work well together and it's just not going to work out. And so, and we have those same conversations with players. And um, and so I, I just, I live on that core belief of 2 Timothy 4, 7, that I could lay my head down every night and say, man, I fought a good fight today. I finished the race today and I'm keeping the faith. And the faith is not in me because it ain't about me. It's my faith is in Jesus. And did I do things the way he would want them done that day? I love that, Coach. And I love what you said earlier about just you had to believe what you're selling because, you know, kids can pick up on that if it's just something that you're that you're not really uh, bought into. Um, I think it was uh, we had Ruffin McNeil on uh, back kind of in the, in the middle of the quarantine. He said, you know, that, that stuff that you believe, it's got to be behind your soul, meaning it's got to be, uh, it, it's got to be what you're about and you got to be all in on it. Otherwise, the kids are and, and your assistant coaches and everyone else involved in the program is not going to buy in it as well. Uh, but then when they do, when, when you do have that, you know, that, that core value or that belief that you're all standing on, you all understand when there are those breakdowns, now you can go back to that and that's, it's easy to fix and it's easy to see where the breakdowns are. But if, it, if there isn't, that that core value in place, that foundation set in place, then it's it's really tough to get on to people because you haven't succinctly demonstrated to them what you want out of them and what you expect out of them and what this program is going to be about. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what what uh, kind of as we get ready to wrap up here, what advice would you give to young coaches? looking to advance in, in the coaching profession. Maybe it's, you know, they're, they're a middle school coach and they're wanting to get up to the high school level. Maybe they're an assistant coach and they're wanting to get to a coordinator job or maybe they're a coordinator wanting to get their, their first head coaching job. What, what advice would you give to those guys? So I heard Tony Dungy say this one time. He said, discipline yourself so that somebody else doesn't have to. And then I've also looked at it as First uh, Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. So discipline and humility to me go hand in hand. And my advice would be to humble yourself now uh, so that you, because that way you can not have to suffer that uh, humiliation of being humbled later. But go ahead and humble yourself now and understand that there's that you can always learn something. It's amazing to me how many coaches come out of college and, and I'll interview them and talk with them and Man, they want to skip the process of being a junior high coach. They want to skip the process of being a position coach. They want to go straight to coordinator. They don't want to wash laundry. They don't want to mow the grass. They don't want to change that light bulb. You know, they don't want to do those little things. And it's like, look, there is a there there is a mountain to climb here. And before you can reach the peak, you got to take that first step on the foothill. And so, um. My my suggestion and my recommendation is, man, humble yourself now and learn. And um, when you do that, you end up being the person that God is going to call you to be because he says he will lift you up in due time. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. When that due time is, it's his timing. But if I don't humble myself, he's not going to lift me up. So that that's my that's my two cents of humble yourself now so somebody doesn't have to humble you later. That's awesome, Coach. I love that, and I think that's a great lesson for all of us uh, to, to remember 
um, it, you know, wherever we are in our coaching career. Okay. Uh, now we're going to close out with a, this is the, the first time I've done this segment on this podcast coach. And, and so, so you, you can feel honored that we're breaking it out with you. Uh, and, and, and so here's what we're going to do because you're a head coach, kind of like what you alluded to earlier, you know, a lot of times head coaches, they get caught up in all the administrative aspects and duties that go along with being a head coach. And, and sometimes they don't get to get in there as much as they like and really get down in the trenches and, and get their hands dirty and just coach some football, you know, with, with, with their guys. And so I want to give you that chance now here on this podcast. We are a defensive line-centered podcast. So here's the scenario, Coach. I'm, I'm a young defensive lineman, and I'm lining up, and I just, you know, I got my helmet on, and, and, and it may or may not be on correctly, and, and I'm, you know, uh, may, may or may not have my pads all in right or whatever, but I'm standing there. I'm ready to go play some defensive line for you, Coach, and I'm standing in front of this offensive lineman, and you're teaching me how to play defensive line and how to recognize different blocks that I'm going to see. So here you go, Coach. Take it from there. Coach me up on how to just, how, how to play these different blocks that I might see as a defensive lineman. You know, the funny thing is, you talk about you may not have that helmet on right, and that was a big adjustment for me going from college to freshman football. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> a huge adjustment. Man, knee pads are where the thigh pads are. Thigh, they couldn't figure out what the thigh pads were, a girdle, like what is that? Yep. I mean, and I'm looking in there going, man, do we have any jock straps or anything? And and it's like that. all that stuff is was it's almost like you're speaking a foreign language when you're dealing with these guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fundamentals guy. Um, was a D line coach where I played linebacker. I've coached linebackers for several years. I coached D line for several years, but I cut my teeth under a guy named Manny Michel and, um, uh, Manny Michel is an analyst now, or a, uh, an analyst for LSU football, phenomenal defensive line coach. And, uh, the first thing we're going to start with is our stance. We got to know how to get in a stance before, before we can do anything. And um, we play a lot. We're a four-man front, play a lot of shade techniques. And so we're going to be a hat, hands, and hips guy. I got I to gotta be able to come out of my hip to be able to play this game of football. You know, and I'm going to talk to them about taking that thing from the weight room of power clean, hang clean, squat to that field. And we're going to work those six-point explosions, the three-point explosions, the explode, the drive, the separate. We're going to have our hands juggler bicep. Um, and we got to be able to put ourselves in position before we can do anything else. And so we're going to start with that alignment, assignment, and then we're going to get after it. Uh, being a hat, hands, and tip, hip technique, we're going to attack and react off of that lineman. We're going to attack the V of the neck, having our pad leveled. I love your, your slogan, man, keep your pads down. We're going to have our pad leveled down. We're going to shoot our hands. Um, one hand of the juggler, one hand of the bicep, so I can stay in that shade technique position. And then I'm going to react off of that that lineman's block. Um, you know, there's only a few things he can do. There's a whole lot of plays they can run, but there's only a few things that that lineman can do. So I get a down block, I'm going to squeeze the mess out of it and squeeze him down in there. He bases me, I'm going to squeeze the mess out of him again and, uh, and, and, and restrict him back into that hole. He's not going to gain any ground. I'm going to regain that new line of scrimmage. He, he passed sets, man, I'm getting that high rush going on, but I'm going to stay in my passing lane. I ain't working up past the, the quarterback because I get too far up that hill, I'm going to fall off the cliff. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and, and then when I get reached, and hey, and I'm going to get reached as a D lineman. It's not against the law to get reached. It's against the law to stay reached. Amen. I'm not going 
I am not going to stay reefed. I'm going to fight that reef, and I'm going to work my hips. It, it all goes back to those hips. If my hips get around, my feet will follow. And so, um, you know, those are the, the things that we're going to talk about, and we're going to do. It's what we call daily must. We're going to work those things every day. And it doesn't matter if you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. If you go into the, the a Power 5 conference to play, or, man, you just going to be a backup on a high school football team. We're going to work those daily must every day and work that block recognition. And it still comes back to me having and using my technique that, that we are supposed to use. And um, I truly believe in fundamentals of football because then when the, when, when the game breaks down and things are going bad, what am I going to fall back on? I got to fall back on those fundamentals and go, Man, and, you know, thankfully in Louisiana, we get to use the Sky Coach system. So we've got that sideline replay that we can look at. And I'd be like, dude, you stayed reached right here. What happened? Well, you didn't, you, you didn't get your hips around. Or you, you ask the kid, man, what happened out there? Coach, he based me. Like, no, he didn't. Dude was past that. <laughs> you know, but he's high school kids. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And so, but. I believe in those fundamentals of football, and I love it. I love coaching football, and uh, too many times head coaches don't get to dig in. I've told a bunch of guys that, man, if I ever have to go back and be an assistant again, I'm gonna be like the greatest assistant in the world <laughs> because I've sat in the in that head coaching chair and understand one, I took for granted being able to have that hands-on contact with those guys every day in my position. Um, I wish I wouldn't have, but I did, and I don't get that as much now, and I miss it. I miss it a lot, but then there's also, you know, there's also the positive parts of being the head coach, of being able to uh, instill a philosophy into a program, And but I do miss that day-to-day, man, getting with my dudes and and working those fundamentals of football. I love it. You know, we just can't take that for granted, man, and Especially in today's time, you never know if you're going to get shut down or not. You may not be able to play the next week. It may be a Thursday afternoon before a Friday game, and you have to quarantine a bunch of guys, or you get yourself get quarantined, or whatever it might be. Um, or, hey, man, enjoy the time while we got it, because Jesus may be coming back any second. So... Coach, that's, that, that was, you're exactly right, and, and I don't know if, the, if you guys listening to this picked up on it but when coach started going into his coach mode right there and 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 he got into that scenario you know your 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 voice picked up a little bit you kind of talked a little bit faster i think that central louisiana dialect came out a little bit stronger right there (laughs) hey i was ready to get down and start start taking on some blocks right there coach so you still got it you know in case you were wondering if you still had it you know if you were you kind of your 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 edge got got dulled maybe a little bit from I don't know, uh, you know, doing all that administrative stuff that you have to do. No, you still got your edge to, uh, to you, Coach. And so uh, great stuff, great way to close out the podcast today. Coach, really appreciate you uh, coming on and talking with me. And really on short notice, uh, our interview kind of came together at the last minute, and I appreciate you uh, just coming on and sharing some knowledge and wisdom with us. And I want to wish you and, and, and Wachita High School the best of luck uh, the rest of the way this season. Coach, I really appreciate you having us here. And I know you are the real Coach Taylor. Um, your brother, your brother calls himself a coach, but he's coaching that little league t-ball. And uh, but I, and so I know that you are the real coach Taylor. 
Well, so I, I do appreciate you having me on here. I appreciate it. And, you know, and, I, and this is probably a quote I need to share with my brother, but I told this the other day to, to somebody uh, who, was com- who was complaining about, you know, some, maybe some little league coaches. And I said, you know, I saw this. I think it was Greg Schiano said, he said, every man in America thinks he can do two things, work a grill and coach football. And, and boy, that is that is the truth. So anyway, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I would. Well, that's a whole nother podcast episode that I'm not going to step off into right now. But coach, again, a lot of fun today. Uh, good luck this week. And uh, we'll be talking with you real soon. Man, thank you, Ty. I appreciate it. Great stuff there from Coach Fitzgerald. Hey, if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can do so. He can be found at JF Coach. Uh, you know, I mentioned that he and I were put in touch by my older brother, uh, whom we referenced there at the end. And when Coach and I were talking in our lead-up to our interview, you know, we got to talking about the Bible study that he and my brother both attend on Thursday morning at 5 a.m. It, it starts at 5 a.m. Well, Coach says, hey, you know, you ought to join us this Thursday. I'll send you the Zoom link. And, you know, a, a ton of excuses run through my head as to why I couldn't make it. But none of them seemed good enough to, uh, to, to bring up to, to Coach Fitzgerald, especially after uh, he had, uh, had agreed to come on the podcast. So anyway, I said I'd be there, and I was there, and I was glad I did. The Bible study is held at the offices of Buck Commander there in West Monroe, uh, and it is full of guys who got up early to be there. So I'm going to be back via Zoom this Thursday at 5 a.m. Central, and you can too. That sounds like something you'd be interested in checking out. You definitely should. Uh, Check the show notes of this episode for the Zoom link to the Bible study and come join us. I promise you, if you make the sacrifice to do that, you won't regret it. So that's Thursday, uh, every Thursday at 5 a.m. Louisiana time. Okay, our quote of the day is this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. And that is, of course, from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, which Coach mentioned a lot and and really is the verse that his program is built on. And then it's also, he wanted to make sure I included these words, fight, finish, and faith. And that will do it for this episode of KYPD. Be sure to join us right here next week for episode number 83. Until then, discipline yourself so others won't have to. And coach, get on these boys and tell them what else they better do. Hey, get your pads down.